Chapter 13. I didn't wake up till the next morning when my alarm went off. I was groggy, barely able to read the numbers on my clock. Rachel, are you up? My mom called through the door. Yeah, yeah, I'm up, I said. I crawled out of bed and staggered toward the bathroom. Jordan was in the bathroom we share. I went out into the hallway toward my mother's bathroom. She was already up, dressed in a tan business suit. She was adjusting her nylons. You don't look too good, she said, giving me a sideways look. Uh, I said. Can I use your shower? You're wearing the clothes you came home in last night, she said accusingly. You came wandering in at 9.30, barefoot and wearing your leotard. That's what you're still wearing. I stared down stupidly at myself. Yes, I was wearing my morphing outfit. Um, my, um, I left my shoes over at Cassie's. I was showing her some gymnastic stuff. Can I use your shower or not? Coming home barefoot and falling asleep without ever having dinner, my mom said and shook her head. Rachel, if you have some problems or something, I want you to talk to me. I did the wrong thing. I suddenly burst out laughing. Problems? No, why would I have any problems? I giggled and wiped the sleep from my eyes and giggled some more. My mom sighed. I have an early court appearance this morning, she said. The Hallian case. But I want you to stay home tonight. I think you and I need to have a little talk. I know your father has thrown a big problem into your lap. I know this decision is very difficult for you. Can I use your shower or not? I sighed, no longer giggling. Go ahead. Make sure Sarah gets on the bus, okay? I closed the bathroom door behind me and fled to the sanctuary of steaming hot water. It started coming back to me then. All of it. Exploding out of the taxon's stomach. The Elemist's offer. The sight of Tobias. Back for too brief a time in his own body. Human again. And the battle. A rampaging, enraged bear. A bear that was me. I shuddered. I was running out of hot water. Rachel, what did you do? Fall in? It was Jordan, outside the bathroom door. Jordan, make sure Sarah gets off to school, okay? I called out. I'm running a little late. You go ahead, too. I skipped school that day for the first time in my life. I lay around the house and watched daytime trash TV. I flipped channels back and forth between one bunch of messed up people and another bunch of even more messed up people. It was nice watching other people with problems. Their problems all seemed easy compared to mine. But over the electronic pictures of angry people and placating hosts, other images appeared. A taxon split open like a torn bag of garbage. The frozen, silent screams of involuntary hosts in their cages. And all through the television noise, I could still hear other voices. The Elemis voice in my head. We can save a small sample of the human race. And Jake's voice. You are out of control. And my father. To another city. Another state. I tried not to even think about everything that had happened the day before. I mean, it was so ridiculous. I lived in two completely different worlds. One world was filled by my family, school, gymnastics classes, shopping, listening to music, watching TV, normal stuff. 
but then I had this whole other life. A life where I wasn't just Jordan and Sarah's big sister, and my mom's first child, and a teacher's pet, and a gymnastics student who was weak on the balance beam. In my other life, I was... a warrior. I risked my life. I fought in deadly nightmare battles against terrible odds. I became so much more than just a kid. Noon rolled around, and I made myself a grilled cheese sandwich. I turned on the TV in the kitchen while I cooked. And there was my dad on the noon news. He was doing a remote, a story from outside the studio, some stupid event at the convention center. I muted the sound and just watched the picture. I threw my sandwich in the trash. What am I supposed to do? I yelled suddenly, shocking myself. What am I supposed to do? My voice sounded flat and dead in the sounds of the kitchen. I felt foolish. It wasn't like me to get all emotional. I stood there, just staring at the cupboards. The Elemist. The bear. My father. What was I supposed to do? Leave my mom and sisters? Leave my dad? Leave my friends? Leave the whole messed up planet? I imagined going to see my father down at the convention center. Dad, I have this problem. And he would come put his arms around me and fluff my hair the way he always did and say, Come on, kid. Don't be so serious. I turned the TV sound back on. My dad was grinning at something. He was doing some chatter with the anchor people back at the station. Be leaving us soon, and we're all sorry to hear that. But I know it will be a great opportunity for you. Yes, it will, my father said. Although I really will miss all the... I snapped off the TV set. I felt sick inside, like I had swallowed broken glass. I needed to get out of the house. I needed to stop thinking. I went upstairs and opened my bedroom window. Several minutes later, a large bald eagle flew from my window and soared high into the sky. We all hooked up later that afternoon at Cassie's barn. Inside her barn, there are rows of cages in all shapes and sizes, mostly full. Birds are in one area, with mammals separated from them by a partition wall. I guess it makes the birds nervous to be in the same room with foxes and raccoons. Nervous birds hurt themselves, banging around in cages. When I showed up at the meeting barefoot and in my morphing outfit, everyone immediately knew I hadn't exactly taken the bus to get there. Jake and Marco were lolling on bales of hay. Tobias was perched on a crossbeam a few feet over our heads. I felt a stab of pain seeing him that way again. Axe did not come to these meetings, usually. He would have to assume his human morph, and he preferred to remain in Andalite form as much as possible. Hi, Rachel, Marco said, looking amused, but also a little wary. What have you been up to? Or maybe I should ask, what have you been? Cassie was busy changing the bandage on the wing of a sad-looking kestrel. Hey, Rachel, Cassie said. Give me a hand here, will you? I didn't see you at school today. I went and held the struggling bird as well as I could. Kestrels are small falcons. This kestrel tried to take a bite out of me, but he was too weak to do any damage. I felt kind of sick this morning, I told Cassie, so I stayed home. But you were feeling better this afternoon, huh? Jake said. So much better that you decided to morph? How did you get here, just out of curiosity? Cassie was done and took the kestrel from me. I turned to look Jake in the eye. I flew, 
Is that okay with you? He glanced at Cassie, then at Marco. That bear you morphed yesterday. You went to the gardens and acquired that all on your own, didn't you? No, I said. I met that bear at the mall. Okay, Jake said. And today you ditch school and end up morphing whatever you morphed. An eagle, Tobias said. I saw a bald eagle riding in the thermals this afternoon. I should have guessed. It was up for too long, acting like a buzzard. A real eagle would have perched after a while. It's so nice knowing I have privacy, I said sarcastically. That was about noon, Tobias said. If you came here in Eagle Morph, that would be more than two hours. You must have demorphed, then morphed again. Jake looked at me sharply. You spent the whole afternoon in Morph? Yes, mother, I said. Jake jumped up and stood right in front of me, his face just inches from mine. Don't give me your sarcasm, Rachel. You're acting really weird. That's everyone's business, because if you do something stupid, we could all end up paying the price. You go and acquire a grizzly? Without backup? You could have been killed. So what? I shot back. You heard the Elemist. We're doomed. It's going to be Yerks 1, Human 0. We lose. So who cares about anything? Who cares if I skip school to go flying? Suddenly, Jake just sagged. I don't know, Rachel. I don't have any answers. I'm sick of trying to have answers. You decide. I don't want to argue with you. I don't know what your problem is, but you know what? You deal with it. I've never seen Jake look so tired. One minute he was being strong, sensible Jake, leader of the Animorphs, and the next minute he looked exhausted. His eyes were red. He was blinking constantly. He looked like he was worn out just from breathing. My dad wants me to move out of state with him, I said. Everyone just kind of stared at me. They all had blank, tired eyes, not much different from Jake's. What are you going to do? Cassie asked. I threw up my hands. How can I even think about something that unimportant? I mean, like, don't we have bigger things to worry about? The fate of planet Earth and the human race? Different things bother different people, Cassie said. I know how you feel about your dad. He's a jerk for dumping this on me. I said loudly. I mean, you know, I mean... It was weird. All of a sudden I felt like I was choking. Like I was ready to explode. Like my brain was spinning out of control. It's like, what am I supposed to do? I yelled. After what happened last night, after all that, I have to decide who I want to hurt. My mom or my dad? And you guys? And... Come on, Rachel, Marco said kindly. Take it easy. Come on, you're Xena. No! No! I'm not some stupid TV character. I'm not some comic book, Marco. I'm scared, okay? Just like the rest of you. I'm scared of what almost happened to me last night. I'm scared just knowing that place exists down there. I'm scared about what happens to me. I just wanted to run away, but I didn't think I could. So I was brave, because that's the way I'm supposed to be. But now everyone's going, Oh, just come live with me. And we'll go to ball games, and, hey, forget about moving to another state, we have a whole other planet for you. And the more exits I see, the more scared I get, alright? For a long time, no one said anything. 
Marco sighed heavily. I've been thinking. I'm changing my vote. If the Elemist asks again, I'm going to vote yes. What? Jake demanded. Why? Marco shrugged. Rachel's losing it. And if she loses it, how long are the rest of us going to last? Shut up, Marco. I'm not in the mood for your jokes, I said. Me neither, Marco said flatly. You know how much sleep I got last night? About an hour. Nightmares. I was a zombie in school today. I felt like... like my skin had been rubbed all over with sandpaper. I'm jumpy. I'm scared. I'm stressed. It's gonna happen, Jake said. This was always insane, right from the start, Marco said. A handful of kids fighting an alien invasion? Look what's happening. Tobias is trapped in a morph. Rachel is starting to use morphine to get away from her problems. The other night, I woke up in bed, and I didn't know what I was. I didn't know if I had hands or fins or claws or talons. Maybe you and Cassie are immune, Jake, but I doubt it. We can't give up, Jake argued stubbornly. All we ever do is lose, Marco said. We annoyed the Yerks. Maybe we blow up a ship or have some little success. But the invasion marches on, and all we ever do is barely escape with our lives. We're like some baseball team that never wins a game. And now, according to the Alamist, we know it's going to be a whole losing season. We aren't going to the playoffs. I don't care, Jake said. I'm not giving up. Jake, Cassie said. See this? She held up her left arm and pointed to a scar above her wrist. I got this from a raccoon. The raccoon had been caught in a trap. Its leg was broken. I was trying to free it so I could save it. It bit me. We're not raccoons, Jake said. Aren't we? Compared to the Elemist? Cassie said. Isn't it just possible he's right? That what he's trying to do is save at least part of the human race? That he's just trying to get us out of a trap and fix our broken bones? Cassie's right, Marco said. If the Elemist wanted to hurt us, he could just destroy us. You know it as well as I do. Fine, I'm going to let him get my leg out of the trap. But I have some conditions first. There are some people going with me. But if the Elemist can save those people along with me, then I have to say yes. Marco looked at me. Then Jake and Cassie and Tobias all looked at me. The vote was now two against two. I was the deciding vote. It would mean no more battles. It would mean that somewhere... Wherever the Elemist took us, there would be no job in another state for my dad. There would be no more painful decisions for me to make. I opened my mouth. I started to speak. I promised I would ask you again. Uh-oh, Marco said. I will show you what you need to understand. Chapter 14 I will show you what you need to understand. In an instant, we were gone from the barn. The five of us and Axe stood side by side in the middle of an empty field of scruffy, unkempt grass. There was a long, low, tumble-down building a hundred yards away. The Elemist was nowhere to be seen. We were the only people around. Five humans and one Andalite. Five real humans. 
Tobias, I said. Yeah, he said, looking down at his hands. This routine again. Jake looked angry. Cassie marveled. Marco tried to smirk nonchalantly, but wasn't succeeding. No one looked tired anymore. Axe skittered nervously on his dainty hooves and stretched his tail as if preparing to use it. The Elemist again, I said. Did you guys hear? Yeah, we heard, Jake said. So we get another chance to change our minds. Where are we? Cassie wondered. I mean, something about this looks familiar, but I can't quite place it. I had the same feeling. Like this empty, dusty, blasted landscape was familiar. It was Tobias who saw it first. The school, he said. What? I said. No way. But he was right. I looked again and realized that I knew each of those tumbled down, destroyed buildings. Okay, I don't like this, Marco said. I don't even halfway like this. I mean, normally I'm all for seeing the school blown up, but I really don't like this. When did this happen? I wondered aloud. I skip one day and the place burns down? I don't think so, Cassie said in a strange, distracted voice. I don't think this is something that happened, past tense. I think we're talking future tense. Or just tense, Marco muttered. I looked over at Cassie, wondering what she was talking about. She was staring intently up at the sky overhead, then off toward the horizon. The sky, she said. Have you ever seen that color before? It does seem slightly yellowish, Jake said. And the air! Doesn't it smell funny? And look, over there, the trees over behind the gym. They're dying. The Elemist said he would show us something, I muttered. So what's he showing us? Axe, you understand any of this? There is a time distortion. I sense it, but I don't know what it means. It's the future, Cassie said. A chill crawled up my spine. I wanted to think Cassie was losing it, but I sensed the truth of what she said. Okay, Marco said. So what are we supposed to do now? Stand around here until the Elemis comes back for us? Jake shrugged. I guess we look around. The mall's just a quarter mile or so. It should be open. So we walked, across the scruffy field beneath a sky that seemed to add yellow to blue and made patches and wisps of green, unlike any sky I had ever seen. We passed the school, and I looked morbidly through the blast holes to see if I could recognize anything. Yeah! Marco yelled. He reeled back from one of the dark holes. I ran to look inside. It was a classroom. There was a skeleton lying crumpled across the teacher's desk. Oh my god! Cassie whispered. The body was just left there. That's Paloma's classroom, I said. History class. It took a few seconds for the significance of that to sink in. The body had been left there to rot. It must have taken years for it to be reduced to nothing but bones. Cassie's right. We're in the future, Marco said. But that's impossible. Impossible for humans, Axe said but not impossible for Elemists. 
Oh, I get it, I said angrily. It's a little lesson. The Elemis is showing us what happens in the future. How cute. How clever. But how do we know this is all really the future, and not just some little show he's putting on? Let's try them all, Jake said. Although I don't have a good feeling about this. We left the school behind. I tried not to think about who that skeleton might have been. Some teacher? Some student? Some person who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? Maybe we can check the bookstore at the mall, Marco said. Find a world almanac for whatever year this is. See who won all the Super Bowls. Then, when we go back to our own time, we can bet on the games. Make a fortune. I forced a laugh that came out like a grunt. We needed to keep our spirits up. Marco was trying. We reached the highway. Eight lanes of concrete. Dead silent. Not a car. Not a truck. Empty. On the far side of the highway was a rusted wreck of a car. Bony white hands clutched the steering wheel. We stayed away from it. I saw something that gleamed brightly off to the east. It seemed to run in a straight line from the far horizon to a point much closer. I squinted to see what it was. Too bad we don't have your Hawkeyes now, I whispered to Tobias. It's a tube, I think. Like a long, long glass tube. There! Something is moving down it. It is a conveyance of some kind, Axe said. He had turned all four eyes toward it. It seems to be a glass tube that goes on for many miles. Inside it are fast-moving platforms, like your trains, only faster. They are going perhaps 300 or more of your miles per hour. They're everyone's miles, Marco said. You're on Earth, Axe. We all have the same miles. What about nations that use kilometers? Axe asked smugly. See, I am learning. Some kind of very high-speed train system, Jake said. That's why no one is on the highway. The question is, who built the system, I pointed out. A few minutes later, we reached the mall. But it had changed. It had changed quite a bit. Oh, man, Marco said. Look at that! Oh, man! The mall was still standing. Even the sign that said Sears could still be seen. But holes, perfectly round and about six feet across, had been drilled into the sides of the four big department stores. There were six or eight holes in the pennies, the same with Sears, and from the holes emerged taxons. They crawled in and out of the holes. They slithered down to the ground and up to the roof. Some were carrying boxes from a squat, bulky spacecraft that sat in the parking lot. They were unloading it like a truck, carrying silvery packages in through several of the holes. It's a hive, Cassie said. It's like a beehive or an ant colony. They've taken it over. The mall is a taxon hive. The future the way it will be if the Yurks win, I said. Taxons using the mall for a hive. I guess that means I can forget about any good sales today. I wanted to sound tough, like I wasn't impressed, but that was a lie. Worms larger than a grown man were crawling through the holes in the mall. Skeletons lay across desks in the shattered ruins of our school and clutched the wheels of rusted cars. The air felt strange. The sky was no longer the sky of Earth. The trees were dying. 
We circled around the mall. We could see that the tube train made a stop there. The glass tube was raised above the ground about 20 feet, like the monorail in Disney World, but there did not seem to be enough supports to hold it up. It was as if it was just hanging there. Outside the mall, a drop shaft rose up to the tube. A taxon entered the shaft and swept up to a platform that bulged from the side of the tube. Let's stay clear of any taxons, Tobias said. But Marco shook his head. Why? Don't you see? The Yurks have won. So any humans are human controllers. The taxons would just assume we were human controllers. I guess you're right, Tobias agreed. Yeah, so we can go anywhere. Besides, I don't think the Elemist brought us here to see us get killed. I relaxed a little, realizing that they were right. But still, there was a deeply disturbing feeling about all of this. I will morph into human form, X said. The Yurks may be accustomed to human controllers, but they will not have seen any Andalite controllers except for Visser 3. Are you so sure? Marco asked. Maybe in the future the Andalites lose to the Yurks too. Never, Axe snapped angrily. He began to slowly melt into human shape. Let's hop the train, I said. See where it goes. Excuse me? Marco laughed. Climb aboard the Yurk version of Amtrak? I shrugged. You said it, Marco. They'll think we're controllers. And in any case, the Elemis didn't bring us here to get us killed. It is sad about them all, Axe said, now mostly human. They had excellent foods for tasting. 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 The Elemist showed us much of what was excellent in your species and your planet. But he did not mention the sensation of taste. Cinnamon buns. 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 Ah. And chocolate, too. Yeah, we have to save any species that can invent the warm cinnamon bun, I said. Come on, let's try this. It only took a couple of minutes to walk to the drop shaft. As we neared it, a taxon slithered up alongside us. He was racing to get ahead like a Russian commuter, but aside from that, he paid us no mind. You think the Yurks have a rush hour? Marco muttered under his breath. Quiet, Jake snapped. We're controllers now, not normal humans. The taxon reached the drop shaft ahead of us. He stepped in through the large opening and was immediately swept up onto the platform overhead. We all hesitated to follow him, so I stepped forward. Seconds later, I was on the platform, with the others right behind me. We were twenty feet up, and I could see in all directions. I nudged Tobias. A small yurk pool had been built on the top of the mall, right over the place where the food court had been. It was a shallow, sludgy pool. Half a dozen taxons lounged around it, almost as if they were sunbathing. There were no cages at this yurk pool. Taxons are all voluntary hosts, another reason not to like them. At least the hork had resisted the Yurks. Suddenly, in a rush of wind, a platform came down the glass tube like a bullet. It stopped in front of us, and the taxon quickly slithered aboard. We followed. It was not a closed car like a train. It was just a clear platform, open at the front end and the back. There were maybe twenty standard seats, half occupied by human controllers. Toward the back was an open area where the taxon went. At the front were several larger chairs, much larger, 
and made of steel with no padding. Those had to be for the hork Space for about four hork maybe two or three taxons, and seats for twenty or more humans. So there were far more humans around than either taxons or hork I concluded. We would not look out of place. The train launched like a bullet down the glass tunnel, but there was no lurch, and no rushing wind. We just blew along at a speed that boggled the mind. The trip from the suburban mall to downtown usually took half an hour by bus. We made the trip in about a minute and a half. Jay gave me a look. We were getting off here. We rose and left the train. Fast, Marco said. Beats the bus, I agreed. It was beyond strange walking the streets of downtown. Entire skyscrapers were simply gone. Others now had wormholes for the taxons. I looked up thirty stories and saw taxons crawling up the sides of the building that used to be the headquarters for a bank. The tallest building in town was the EGS Tower. It was sixty stories tall. It still stood, almost intact. But for some reason, the top two floors had been sheared away, then covered with a glass dome. Pale sunlight sparkled off the dome. It was almost like a beacon. Humans and hork walked the street, side by side, but not in large numbers. In fact, the entire city seemed far emptier than it should have been. We turned a corner and froze. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. It is your host, Daniel. So I have exciting news. I am starting a second podcast. Hopefully, uh, by this Tuesday, I will have put out my first episode. I've already recorded a bunch. Uh, it's not just me this time. I have guests, and it's like a real podcast. Um, but it's coming out this Tuesday. It will be at, uh, it will be at, excuse me, shoutengine.com slash okcrusader. Uh, and eventually iTunes. I'll figure that out. Uh, the premise is basically, uh, I go on the Marvel wiki with some friends, and I look up, uh, four to five random Marvel characters or objects, you know, whatever the wiki wants to spit at me, and we discuss how dateable those things or people are, and we put them in a list. And I have a ton of fun recording it. Uh, I'm really excited to have people hear it. So look for it this Tuesday, I hope. Uh, definitely this week or next week, for sure. It'll be out. Please, please give it a listen. Please. If you liked uh, what you heard here, though, you can hear more of this at audiomorphs.podbean.com or by searching Audiomorphs on iTunes. And if we're using iTunes, you can go ahead and give me a rating and a review and subscribe, and tell all your friends. You don't have to be using iTunes to tell your friends. You can just do that with your mouth. If you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or audiomorphscast at gmail.com. I often forget there's a cast at the end of that, but there is. It's Those, those are the things. Um, so, thank you for listening, and I will... See you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come 
Until then, we fight. <laughs>